Hey, this is Jamie from Stillmeyer Games, and today I'm going to talk about my favorite games, favorite lighter games specifically, that play at five or higher player counts. So last week I talked about fa my favorite like medium to heavyweight games that play at five or more players that, that really shine at those player counts. And I, when I was making this list, I decided to separate it into medium and heavyweight games and lighter games. These aren't necessarily filler games. They aren't even necessarily fast games, but they are lighter. They don't take as much brain power. They are easier to teach. Um, yeah, they're, they're just a little lighter than the games on my other list. So I, I didn't put any Stillmeyer games, on, that's my company, on, on the top 10 list, but I wanted to mention two games of ours that fall into this category. There's Rolling Realms. Rolling Realms is a roll and write game where uh, one player rolls two dice and all players use the numbers on those dice and any other numbers that they create using resources to, um, to kind of fill out uh, different realms. And so we have these these different realm cards in the game. Each realm is inspired originally by a Stomeyer game, and since then we've added a bunch of other games, such as uh, games uh, designed by other companies, or published by other companies like Architects of the West Kingdom. So uh, you have these three random realms, all players have the same realms, and you're using the numbers to try to score as many stars as possible in this combination of realms. Uh, so far, I think we have almost 20 realms released, maybe a little bit more than 20. And so the combinations, each round of the game, where each round you just play with three different realms, uh, are, it is, you know, it's, it's huge at this point. So Rolling Realms. Rolling Realms, you can also, you can play, a full game is three rounds, but you can also just sit down and play a round of Rolling Realms. Just play three realms and be over with, uh, be done and over with. So uh, I enjoy both formats of that. I usually play it round by round. Our other game that fits into this category of lighter games that play... Oh, and for Rolling Realms, I should mention, it's simultaneous. So one player rolls the dice, all players are using that dice. There's no player interaction at all by design, because you can play Rolling Realms in person, or you can play it remotely. And so it scales infinitely. Out of the box, it plays up to six, but you can play it with any number of people. Between Two Cities is a simultaneous drafting and tile placement game where you're building cities with the player on your uh, left and the player on your right. And at the end of the game, you're going to score, you personally are, are going to compete and score the lower scoring of those two cities. It scales really, really well up to uh, seven players out of the box. Did we go seven? Yeah, up to seven. Um, and it scales so well because it's all simultaneous. The drafting is simultaneous. The tile placement is simultaneous. The communication while you're placing the tiles is simultaneous with your partners. And so for that reason, it scales really, really well at higher player counts. But these are Stonemaier games, so I didn't make them eligible for the list. I did ask Stonemaier ambassadors what games they would pick for this list. Um, they picked uh, Seven Wonders Architects, Bang of the Dice Game, Camel Up, Six Nymphed, Seven Wonders, Carcassonne, Codenames, Coup, Deception Murder in Hong Kong, Deep Sea Adventure, Dixit, Downforce, Fantasy Realms, For Sale, uh, The Resistance, Just One, Libertalia, Longshot the Dice Game, Monikers, QE, Rolling Realms, Scout, Decrypto, Sheriff of Donningham, Skull, So Clover, Sushi Go, Telestrations, Ticket to Ride, Time's Up, Tiny Towns, Tsuro, and Wavelength. Yeah, there are a lot of games that are eligible for this list. There are a lot of games, lighter games, um, that play at at uh, that play at, at, at these these higher player counts. Although you might also be surprised the number of lighter games that don't play at higher player counts. And that's fine if the game works better at, at four or fewer players. But uh, I find myself in many situations where I, I have a bunch of people, um, five or more players, who want to play a game. And uh, maybe we don't have a lot of time. Maybe we, we want something lighter. Like we were watching the Super Bowl the other night. We had five people 
here total. We were watching the Super Bowl, and so we kind of wanted some lighter games to play while watching the Super Bowl. And so uh, having some lighter games available was really, really helpful. We ended up playing Between Two Cities, and we played uh, So Clover. So my honorable mentions are Can't Stop Express, Carcassonne, Codenames, Coup, Downforce, For Sale, QE, Long Shot the Dice Game, Celestia, Telestrations, Welcome to, Camel Up, The Crew, Sushi Go, New York Slice, Wizard, Scout, Citadels, Deep Sea Adventure, Nirvana, and Skull. And I will say, in the list that follows, this was a really hard list to rank. I ended up ranking it. I don't always do that, but I did end up ranking it. But really, this is very group dependent. I'm All the games that I just listed on my honorable mention list, I love those games. Um, I also love all the games on my top 10 list. And really, depending on the group or the moment, how much time we have, um, any of these games I, I, would, I would gladly play at any time. So at number 10, number 10, I have... I haven't spoiled anything by having these on my desk. Number 10, I have Just One. I love Just One. This is a cooperative game that is definitely very light. It's the type of game that you can, you can play a few minutes of. You can play an hour of it if you want. In Just One, one player has a word that they need to guess. And all other players know that word. And those other players need to secretly write down a clue to help that player guess that word. And before the, uh, the, the active player, the player who's trying to guess, gets to see all those clues... The other players show those clues to each other, and if any clues are replicated, uh, the, the guesser doesn't get to see them. So you're trying to choose words that will help the person guess the, the, uh, the, the correct word, but without having any repeats, without being so obvious that someone else might have written down the same word. It leads to so many uh, clever moments of, moments of cleverness on both parties, on, on the guesser. The guesser is kind of looking through these clues, talking out loud about what, they, what, they might, what the word might be, and also on the part of the, the clue givers. Um, as they try to, to navigate this challenge of giving a clue that no one else is going to give. I love Just One. It scales up so well because all players are writing down this word simultaneously. You're all cooperate, cooperating. And uh, yeah, and it just it, it just moves around the table so, so incredibly well. It plays out of the box up to seven, three to seven players for Just One. So Just One is my number 10. At number nine, I have my old school childhood copy of Scotland Yard. I love Scotland Yard. It is so easy to teach and play. It is one of the longer games on this list, but I don't think that's a down. That's necessarily a, a downside to the game. It's, it's okay to have a lighter game that takes a little bit longer. It is my favorite hidden movement game because it is distilled down to such simple elements. In Scotland Yard, there's one player, Mr. or Mr. Mrs. X, who is hidden as they run around the board. You don't really know where they are, except for certain times in the game where they must reveal themselves. And you are trying to use different modes of transportation um, to... Uh, to, to kind of spread yourselves around the board and, and try to land on the same space as Mr. or Mrs. X. And so there's a lot of discussion of, uh, among the players who are moving around the board. They do so simultaneously. Whenever it's the, uh, the kind of the group's turn, they kind of move around simultaneously. And then Mr. X or Mrs. X takes a turn. So again, simultaneous, uh, the simultaneous nature of this game makes it flow really well. It plays up to six players, and it plays up to six players really, really well. Um, I, I, I love playing Scotland Yard at the full six, really, because that way no player needs to control more than one token. But it does play fine at lower player counts when you have to control more, more than one detective per player especially since the group can just decide where they want those tokens to go so yeah scotland yard is my number nine favorite lighter game that plays up to five five or more players at number eight one of the newest games on this list cat in the box 
Cat in the Box is a really, really clever trick-taking game where the cards don't have suits. Instead, you declare the suit of the card when you play the card, and you mark on a little uh, chart in the middle of the table what color, what suit that card was. This leads to so many uh, just... Um, kind of joyful moments in the game where you 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 know you're, you're declaring you're deciding what suit the card is but you can say at any given time oh i don't have any blue cards left i don't have any blue cards left and you might do that strategically to win a certain number of hands because you're trying to to win a certain number of hands in the game and you're also trying to make sure that you are able to always be able to play a card when it's your turn um but as I said, cards don't actually have suits. So you saying I don't have a blue card in my hand, it's just something that you are making up in that moment. So the game offers you so much flexibility for a game that ends up being ultimately at the end of each round, very tight, where you're trying to, you're, you're really hoping to be able to play the cards that you can so you don't cause a paradox in the game. If you cause a paradox, you're going to lose points for every trick that you gained, every, every trick that you won, instead of uh, gaining points for every trick that you won. I've just had a blast with it. It does play up to five, and at five, uh, it, the game actually scales well at every player count, where you remove some cards from the deck at each player count, but at five, you play with a full deck of cards, which is really nice. You don't have to separate anything. You just shuffle up and play the whole thing, um, and you don't need to put any markers on the on the little chart to show that certain cards aren't in play. So I think it plays really well at five. It doesn't play higher than five, but I love Cat in the Box at five. That's my number eight. And number seven is On Tour. On Tour is a game that scales up really well. It's a kind of an inspiration for Rolling Realms because it scales infinitely. As long as a player has the map that you're playing on and on tour, uh, any number of players can play because it is the type of roll, uh, roll, roll and write game, roll and flip game, really, where you're rolling two dice, all players are using those dice, and uh, all players are also looking at three cards that were flipped up from, the, from that turn to determine the regions in which they may place those dice. So, for example, if I roll a one and a seven and there are three cards faced up, uh, showing a couple different regions. I must place a 17 in one of those regions, and I must place a 71 in another region. Uh, and what this does is you're trying to create a map of a, of a tour that you're sending a, a band on, your band on, where you're connecting numbers um, in ascending order. Uh, not necessarily sequentially, but in ascending order at the end of the game. So you're, you're route building by using the same numbers that all other players are using. And really, even though all players are using the same exact numbers, the, the, the routes, the maps end up being so different from player to player because of this combination of dice and cards. And because it's simultaneous, it scales up amazingly well. I think I have maybe 10 or 12 mats in this box that it's, it's one of the games that I pull out when I want something that, that definitely causes me to think quite a bit. Similar to Cat in the Box, it's a game that gets tighter and tighter the longer that you play the game because you have fewer uh, places where you can actually place numbers. And, um, but it does scale up so well at higher player counts. That's On Tour, my number seven game for this list. At number six is No Thanks. No Thanks is a little game that it, I have fun with this game every time I play it. It's on Board Game Arena. I also have a, a, a battered, a tattered old copy here. But uh, in No Thanks, you are bidding to not take the current card. You're trying not to take the current card. It's a little bit, teaching the game, it kind of takes you a few, maybe a few minutes. It takes people a few minutes to wrap their mind around that concept where they're, they're paying to not take something. But once they start to see how the cards you take cause you to gain points and you don't want points, um... And that it's a question of like, how long do you, how much, how much do you spend? How long do you spend tokens um, or, or bidding amounts? Or you're just paying, paying little tokens to not win the card. How long do you do that before 
the tokens, which are good for you, um, how long is it worth it for you to just take the card, deal with it, and take those tokens along with it? And hope that later on you get a card that fits sequentially. Because if I've taken a 33 and later on a 32 comes up, that's great for me because it means that uh, because they're sequential numbers, I'm only going to score the 32 instead of the 33. And so I might wait for that 32 to pile, uh, pile up a few tokens from other players who don't want it before I take it. Anyway, it scales up really well. What does it say on the box? Three to seven players, similar to just one. It's a three to seven player game. And it, I think it flows so well with those higher player counts um, because turns are so short. On your turn, all you're doing is either paying a token or taking the card and all the tokens that are associated with that card. Super, uh, super fun game. I, I found that it kind of scratches a poker itch a little bit. Um, if you if you if you love poker, I, I think No Thanks scratches that itch a little bit. That's my number six game on this list. At number five, I have Ink and Gold. This was a tough choice between Deep Sea Adventure, which I also love, and Ink and Gold. But if I'm gonna play a push your luck game, I think right now I choose Ink and Gold. I've just had so many fun moments with this game. In this game, over five rounds, you're gonna be running into a dungeon with a bunch of other players, all other players who are still in it, and you'll be revealing cards in the hopes of not revealing some nasty things that you can encounter along the way. And you're splitting treasure as you go. So every time you, you uh, a treasure shows up or a, uh, a gem show up, you split those gems among the players. And then you continue down your the, the, the path, the route that you create with these cards as long as all players choose to uh, to stay. So at any time you can say, I'm going to run out. I'm, I'm done with this dungeon. I'm going to run out. I'm going to gather the things that we didn't collect along the way and run out of this dungeon. Um, and it's just, it, it's kind of a, it, it's a random blast to play in my opinion there's a lot of randomness uh but it, it really scratches the push your luck itch and it plays up to i believe seven players let's see what it says on the box three to eight players plays up to three to eight players it's easy to teach it's easy to teach as you play and uh I've, I've had a lot of fun at all player counts even down to the lower player counts it's a lot of fun but at the higher player counts where, where everyone's kind of in it and rooting for certain players to fail certain players to succeed I have a blast with Ink and Gold. So great push your luck game that I think scales up really well to higher player counts. That's my number five favorite lighter game that plays at five plus players. Number four is Fantasy Realms. I love Fantasy Realms. Fantasy Realms plays, I have six in my head, but it might be able to play up to seven actually. What does it say in the box? It says three to six players. And in Fantasy Realms, this game succeeds at higher player counts because turns are so short and simple. On your turn, you are um, discarding a card and gaining a card. Or is it the opposite in this game? I, I designed Red Rising based on this format. I'm try, trying to remember if you draw a card first in, in, in Fantasy Realms. I think you're drawing a card first in Fantasy Realms and then discarding a card. Um, and so you're just building your hand over the course of the game. You're trying to build up a great combination of cards. So you score a bunch of points from your hand at the end of the game. And the game doesn't overstay its welcome. It, it's, it, it kind of can go too quickly at times uh, where you're, you're trying to, to prolong the game and, and improve a few more cards in your hand. But every choice, every decision is, is tense, is interesting. And uh, I, I love this idea of starting with a hand of cards that might already actually be pretty good and just honing that hand and getting it a little bit better and trying to get certain cards that combo with other cards. And it, like I said, it, it, it scales well at higher player counts because uh, turns are so short. All you're doing is drawing a card and playing a card. Really, really fast play. That's Fantasy Realms. Probably the best combo-centric uh, game on this list that I have so far. And number four is So Clover. This company is really, I mean, uh, this is Repost Games. Repost Games has just done a fantastic job with this style of game. They have just one. They have So Clover. They have Fun Facts. So Clover is currently, I think, my top pick from, from that list. Um, we just played it. We actually played it at the uh, 
while watching the Super Bowl. Plays three to six, and in Soap Clover, you, each player is given one of these clover-like mats. You can kind of see it on the back of the box here, and they populate it with four random cards that have holes in the middle, and you secretly try to write down a clue that associates um, the two words associated with it. So, so like uh, the example I give on the box is uh, the clues here are sheep and clothing, and the word is wool. So really, wool becomes the clue because you will remove these cards from the board, uh, scramble them up with one additional card that doesn't even belong there, and all player, all other players work cooperatively to try to figure out what cards go where. And so they have a lot of information. They have all these different cards. They know what the cards are, except for one that, that doesn't belong. Um, and they have the clues. They're just trying to match things up the right way. And it leads to so many... Um, so many moments of, of brilliance in the game where where you uh, not only is the so kind of like just one where you as a clue giver you are giving what you think are very clever clues and sometimes not as clever but um, the 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 people who are trying to decipher what clues you gave and where to put these cards they're relying on kind of the objective information that you put on the mat, but they're also relying on their knowledge of you as a person um, like just the other day we had uh, we had someone misread the word carton they thought it was cartoon and they gave a clue that was related to a uh, a disney cartoon a pixar movie and someone at the table uh very cleverly realized that they had misread that word and by realizing that we were able to correctly guess the clue so it's little things like that uh, that, that you might know about someone else that they might you know that they might be more likely to make that type of mistake that type of sort of thing and you can yet you can still decipher decipher the clues as a result i love so clover I love how clever you get to be on both sides of the table. I think that's one of my favorite styles of cooperative games. Just One does that as well. But right now, this is my number three pick for games that scale up to at least five players and are fairly light to play. Number two, I have Mysterium Park. Here we go, Mysterium Park. So this is the streamlined sequel to Mysterium, um, a cooperative game where one player has been murdered and that player is trying to give clues via these dreamlike visual cards to other players and those players are using that information to deduce to kind of eliminate things that aren't um aren't the suspect so they are they're trying to eliminate who didn't do it and try to eliminate where the murder didn't happen and then at the end of the game they are trying to guess who did do it and based on the remaining cards who did it and where did they do it um so you have you have this kind of ticking clock to uh, to determine uh, to to uh, guess these clues correctly and, and look at these these visual clues that are given to all players and you have a lot of agency in the game where you are the one that's ultimately guessing um, but all players can see the clues that you've been giving and can participate in that discussion if you want them to which I think works really really well Mysterium Park is my preference over Mysterium, if you're wondering, because it's so much easier to set up. It's faster to play. I think it's much more streamlined. It gets cuts a lot of the things from Mysterium that weren't necessary. Um, although Mysterium does have a big, cool board that you get to uh, kind of block the, the ghost player away from the other players. I, th I thought that was cool. But I love Mysterium Park. I think it leads to, again, uh, lots of different cleverness from both sides of the table. Very similar to So Clover and Just One, where you get to be clever if you're giving the clues. You also be, get to be clever in the discussion of what those clues mean. Mysterium Park. That's my number two. At number one, though, is a game that I has just I I just always want to play it. Um, and this has really happened over the last year or so. That is Skull King. Skull King is another trick-taking game, and it ramps up so well because in Skull King, in the first round, each player only gets one card, and they're they're bidding based on how many tricks they think they can win based on that one card. And then all the cards get shuffled again, and you play a two-card hand, and then a three-card hand, and so on, up to ten hands in the game. And each, each turn is very quick. You're just playing a card, 
each uh, each hand is very quick as well. And the more players you have at Skull King, the more kind of it's more chaotic, but it also means that you're actually seeing more cards being played at the table. And you have that information. Uh, you have that information. You have the the player count information to determine to help you determine how many um, how many hands you think you could actually win. So you might not at at higher player counts. What does it play up to seven or eight? What does it say here on the box? Plays up to eight players. So at eight players, uh, you know, in that first hand, only one player should probably bid that they're going to win the hand. All other seven players should bid that they shouldn't. And so your scores are going to end up very different from game to game when you play Skull King. But, uh, but I think it scales up so well, those higher player counts. It can be just a, just a big group game where you are playing, but you're also making interesting decisions throughout the game based on which cards you're going to play, when you're going to play them. Uh, yeah, Skull King. Wonderful little trick-taking game that scales up really, really well. This currently is my top pick for a lighter game. Easy to teach game. Still takes a little while. This is one of the longer games on this list too, but it's very easy to teach and get into and play. Um, it's my number one game for this list. I'd love to hear your favorite game. And make sure to check that your game actually plays up to five players out of the box. Not with that expansion, but out of the box. Make sure to check before you post maybe your top three in the comments below because some games... Like in my mind, I think that certain games play up to five players, but they don't actually do that. They might only play up to four. Um, that doesn't make them a bad game at all. But for the purpose of this list, I think it's helpful to have a few of these games in your collection for those times where you do have bigger groups of people. So let me know in the comments below your top three favorite games that play at five or higher player count and that are lighter. Not necessarily short, but just easy to teach, easy to play, um, and, uh, and don't require a lot of mental space if you're kind of distracted, if you're doing something else at the time. Maybe if you're at a convention. These games go very well at a convention where there's a lot of kind of visual stimulus happening at a convention. You don't need to have full brain power on these games at a convention. Yeah, let me know your thoughts in the comments below. Thanks.